0: We're talking about transformation and why it's so important. You know, I think it's a lost art in the church world today. We've been taught a lot about how to change our life and how to focus our life on serving God. But underneath it is a beautiful, amazing, incredible transformation that's possible for you, for me, for every single believer. This isn't just for the preachers, the ministers, for men, is for every believer, men and women, is for every believer of all cultures, the possibility to see the image of Christ that's in us to mature, to we transform into that image. And once you begin to see this, you begin to have a hope that you're not the same. You're not stuck the same. You know, I come from a a long line of very good heathens, I call them. I say, I tell people I wasn't raised in church, I was raised by professional heathens. They were very very good at what we did. You know, when that's your family line of uh, non-believers, then you can start to think that you are limited in what God can do through you because of your family, or maybe because of your own past before Christ, because of your own struggles, that maybe God can't use you like he can use someone else. And so that's what I want to really emphasize today, In our our talk and in the scriptures we talk about is seeing the possibility through transformation that God can use you to do what he did through Jesus. That's amazing to think about it. Jesus himself said, the things that I do, you will do also. That's a promise that if you go far enough into God, Jesus will show up in your life and people will meet Jesus through you. That's what we want. We want people to fall in love with us. We want them to fall in love with Jesus in us. I remember I was ministering one day, and a young man came up, and, and I was just beginning to see this imagery that I'm sharing with you. This is many, many years ago. and came up for prayer in the prayer line, and, and he said, I'm just really struggling. He said, I was, and it was private, no one could overhear it, but he said, I was molested by my dad as a child. And and I hated him, and I hated him. But now I'm starting to have desires to do the same to other children. And see, right then, you see how family history and family damage could be passed from generation to generation. And I, he wasn't born again, and I got him help with people and helped him get accountable. But before I let him go, I asked him to accept Jesus as the Savior. And, he, and I was so blessed to tell him, I said, listen, that man that molested you, he was your earthly father. But the moment you accept Jesus in your life, God becomes your father. That means your earthly father really, technically, is no longer your father. And you don't see the power of that means that you don't have to live by what your earthly family gave you. You're no longer limited to that. Now, The modern church doesn't share this. It tells you to change. So we shine that up, we clean it up, but it's always still in us. But there is a process called transformation to where you can mortify that old man and begin to live out of a new man that was raised uh, to life by the new nature. That's your inner body, your inner man. And this is the value, this is the power that I was able to tell this young man look i know you're afraid you're going to turn into your your earthly father but now there's hope for you you're not limited by that much of the worldly philosophy is if you're too broken as a child there's not much hope for you to get unbroken there's not much help for you to get unbroken but the message of the gospel is you no longer have to stay that way and you can become like jesus you can walk like jesus have his love have his peace, this is the fruit of the Spirit. So let's look at a few verses here. We're going to look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're using some of our main verses on this in this series. Verse 22, 23, and 24. That you put off concerning the former conduct the old man, which grows the crop according to deceitful lusts. So he tells us here to put off the old man. Now, I was raised in northern Canada in the Rocky Mountains. And it was expected that when you came in to the house from outside, because usually there was mud or snow or dirt, a lot of dirt. And when you came into the house, you removed your shoes and left them at the porch at the front of the house or inside, just inside the front door. And, uh, and then you walked around the house in your socks. And you, you took it off. See, To put something off means you're still wearing it. And that's my point in this, is that you right now are still wearing the old man, the old body, the outward man, that wasn't cured when you were born again. It was actually left in darkness, left to death. So the instructions here are for you to put him off, to put off the old man. This is your natural man, to put him off. This is the man made of clay. This is the man made of earth were to put him off. And uh, I always make fun, think it's funny because, I remember when I moved down to Tennessee, the southern United States, and we went to go someone, to someone's house, and the first thing I did when I walked into their house, I took my shoes off and you just kind of kick them off and leave them at the front door. And everyone stopped and watched me do it and was wondering what I was doing. Because in Tennessee, you don't necessarily have to take your shoes off. <laughs> in fact, when I was raised, you would get you get uh, beaten by your mama for not taking your shoes off at the front door. Or if you're at a friend's house, you get beaten by their mama if you kept your shoes on. Well, down in Tennessee, it's not necessary. To put it off means you're wearing it. You still have it on. This is talking about your natural man. The natural man that you inherited from your family, from your past, from your youth. Now you have the opportunity not to fix it, but to put him off, to put it off. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on. Now now he's telling you put something on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the image of God is the new nature inside of you. In fact, let's go to Colossians. Let me just just read it to you. Colossians three verse we'll start in verse eight, nine and 10. But now you yourself are to put off these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds. This is talking about your natural man. And have put on the new man. Now this is talking about your inner man. The new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So the image of Him is the new nature. So the new nature is what you receive from God. It's a seed, and if you look into it, you'll find inside of that nature is a image of Jesus in all of His holiness, in all of His love, in all of His peace. That's the image inside of your new nature, but it's only an image. It must come forward and grow inside of your inner man. That's why we call it the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the new nature. If you let it grow and mature inside of your inner man or your new man, you will have the fruit of love, God's love, not Alan's love, not your love, God's love. The fruit of peace. This is why the devil is so afraid of you spending time in prayer and worship. He's okay if you want to just serve God and do your best. And God, you know, God's pleased with all the works that we do in his name. But the devil's really afraid of you taking the love of Jesus. And let it come forward inside of you. And then you put that new man, once it's mature, on. You start to live out of the new man instead of out of the old man. Well, the devil can stop the love of Alan. The devil can stop Alan. But he cannot stop the love of God. He cannot stop the peace of God, the wisdom of God. And that is the power of transformation. That I can actually transform into God's thinking, into God's love, His peace. And then the devil, he can't stop it. So that's why he tries to stop you and discourage you from spending time worshiping and praying and giving your life over to God in that way. I'm going to now go over to 2 Timothy. This will be our our main verses for today. 2 Timothy. And we'll start in chapter 2. And we'll just read a little bit. We'll go to verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, keep in mind, this is Paul writing to Timothy. Paul wrote Ephesians. He wrote Colossians. He wrote First and Second Corinthians. The same writer. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. Now, I want you just to think, how well does that verse go over in our modern church today? And I'm using modern church just to blanket, make it a blanket statement. Because that's not in every church. There's some wonderful churches and powerful churches all over the world. But in the general consensus of following God, most of the preaching you'll hear generally is, God wants you happy. God wants you blessed. He wants you in abundance. Would you like for God to help your dreams come to pass? And we kind of entice people's desires to be successful. And if they do good, and they serve God right, and give God money, then they can have that dream of success. And so this type of preaching you're hearing from Paul, some of it may not fit into the modern church. You, therefore, verse 3, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So just being a soldier is an imagery that Paul is saying, this is how you serve God. A soldier doesn't belong to his family. Technically, he belongs to the army. A soldier is given commandments. A soldier is provided for, but he gives his life and he obeys the commander. And this is the type of Christianity that God's really needing for us, for for us to really see revival, that we stop serving our own pleasures. When I say that, my my natural man has ideas of what makes me happy, but God has ideas of what's going to make me successful in his kingdom. And it may not be a lot of money. It may not be a lot of success. I remember one time I was uh, in my room praying and spend time with the in praying in the Holy Ghost, and, and I felt like God came into my room and sat down beside me. In that moment, I, I heard Him say to me, to my heart, I need you to choose today if you're going to be a normal Christian or pursue the high call. And those were His words, normal Christian. And I was about to say, well, yeah, I, I, the high call. Before, Of course, the high call. Before I could say the high call, My imagery of the high call at that time was big, large, worldwide ministry, great services, powerful services, lives changed, television all across the world, all across Canada at the time. But before I could say the high call, he showed me what that meant. And he didn't show me a worldwide ministry. He showed me spending years and years of praying and fasting and seeking Him, and laying my life down, laying those dreams down, and becoming a soldier. And I remember saying to him, well, uh, uh, you know, I want the high call, but I can't find it in me, the desire to lay down my life that much, because that was hard. I said, I can't find it, I can't even find it in me to want that. I want it, but... I can't find the want to want it. And I said to God at the time, I said, if you'll help me, I choose the high call. And then phew, he left us all I needed to hear. And since that time, I believe that was the permission he needed for me to take me down a road of laying my life down day after day, not pursuing my own ambitions, my own dreams, my own desires. The source of those own, when I say that, is my natural man. But to pursue his word, to pursue his love, to pursue his peace, to pursue his truth. That's been the mission that I've been on ever since, that he has me on. Then he says in verse 5, And also if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You know, recently there was a marathon somewhere and some person won their category. By a, quite a big amount. It was shocking to everyone. And so they, they were suspicious. And so sure enough, they traced back the steps and found that this person had left the race at like mile 10 or mile 5 and caught a, a uh, subway and got back out near the finish line and joined in and, and won their category. They caught them cheating and they didn't get the, the prize. Well, that's the message here. There's no shortcut to, to the glory of God. There's no shortcuts to the power of God. You don't get this by someone laying hands on you or, or by someone just speaking over you. You won't get this by giving an offering to a ministry. You won't get this just because you want it. You have to go and follow the rules. And he tells us the rules in verse 6, some of them. This is where transformation really is explained in verse 6. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops." So a hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. And what I feel he's saying here is that before I can give you the peace of God, I must first let the peace of God grow in my inner man and become who I am. I become that. And then I'm able to Let you have the peace of God because I have it. It's not that I give it to you. I don't have that power. But God uses that position of authority in my life because I went and grew and found the peace of God and made it it part of me. I can give it to you. And see, if I had this peace, if I had the love of God at that moment, if I had the fullness of the love of God in my inner man, then the moment that I counseled with that young man who was, fearful that he was going to become like his dad he had issues because he was feeling the temptation and that's why we gave him accountability and put him with some people to help make sure he was restrained from making those things happen but i had to leave him there i prayed over him and asked god to help him but i had to leave him there but see if the love of god was in me jesus would never have left him in that condition remember the the woman who was uh, brought out, we won't go to that verse, but they brought her out because she was committing adultery. They told Jesus, they tried to trick him, and and they said, well, do we stone her or, or not? And Jesus said, you know, he wrote down in the sand and, and said, well, if you have no sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, they left the oldest to the youngest, and they did not stone her. Then Jesus said to her, where are your persecutors? You know, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. So Jesus was acting like the Lamb of God at that moment. He washed away her sins. But see, at that moment, she wasn't born again yet. She was still a sinner by nature. And I want you to think about that woman for a second. How broken she really was. Because it's not like the culture today. The culture today, I was asked to do a marriage counseling for a couple. And I didn't know them. They didn't go to our church. But I said, yeah, I'd be happy to. But my rule is, if I'm going to do your wedding, you have to let me counsel you. So my goal is to help them have a successful marriage, but also to have the opportunity to preach Jesus to them and maybe get them born again. Because they had said they would have been living together for three years. And so we sat down and I said, okay, before we get into marriage, a good marriage is always built around Jesus. So I want to talk to you guys about knowing Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And before we go ahead into the real counseling and, and before we move forward. And, and they both looked at me and they said, oh, well, you know, Pastor Al, we we are born again. We've been saved for a long time. We've, we've been going to a good church for five years. And I thought for a moment, I don't know if I showed it on my face, the shock that that you've been going to church for five years attending every Sunday, sitting under the Word, sitting under preaching, and you still have been okay to live together in fornication for three of those years, there's something wrong with this picture. There's something wrong with this picture. See, so the shock of adultery and fornication in our culture, even just in our Christian culture, isn't the same as it was back in, Israel in those days. In those days, if they caught you in fornication, if they caught you in adultery, they would stone you. That was the law. And that's why they took this woman and they they said to Jesus, the law says we are to stone her. They laid her at His feet and she met the love of Jesus instead of the, the hardness of the law. But think about how broken you have to be in that culture, that you're willing As a young lady, you're willing to risk your life just to get a man to love you for a few moments. Whether it was a one-time adultery or ongoing adultery, she was willing to risk her life to be loved just for a moment, to be wanted by a man. That's how broken her natural soul was. That's how broken she was. So when Jesus said, go and sin no more, to me, that's not him saying, now go and be perfect. And then her have to see something in her past broke her emotionally, that she needed to be wanted by a man so much that she was willing to risk her life. So for him, just to say, go and sin no more, go and fight better, is unfair for him to do that in the sense that she's already lost that battle over and over again at that moment i believe now this this is preaching but i believe what happened at that moment for him to say go and sin no more is that the love of jesus was because jesus was there his love was there that god was able to reach through jesus and go into her emotions and not heal it but to pull out that brokenness to destroy that brokenness in her that drive in her to be wanted in that way so desperately I believe at that moment, Jesus took that out of her and destroyed it. I say deliver, but that deliver sometimes we think is a devil. This is more of an emotional brokenness. And he was able, by the love of Jesus, to take it out of her. So he could say to her, now you no longer have a drive to go do that. Now go and sin no more. And see, that's the love of God that I think he wants us to walk in. And it's not that, that if I was standing in front of that young man now, instead of all those years ago, I want to believe that there's a place where God will use the love of God in me as the authority. I'm not the healer. You're not the healer. We're not the healers. But God is. The Holy Ghost is. But He needs authority on this earth to do it. In heaven, He's in charge. And there's no sickness, disease, nor sin in heaven. So we know that he's not in charge here because we see all those things here. So he can't just come and do what he wants. Otherwise, heaven and earth would be the same. And that's where it's going to be in the end. But right now, he needs you as the authority. How much authority does he have? It depends on how much of him is in you. And so as the love of God grows in you, that's the authority he uses. And see, I believe I could tell that young man, not only are you going to be born again, but because the love of God is here. Because I'm a I'm a farmer who I partook of that love. I first grew it and I can eat it myself. It's in me. Now I know that God has the authority to go in you and remove that brokenness in you. That drive in you, that, that brokenness in your natural person. And you will be free from that drive. That's where I think God wants us to go as Christians. Not just to comfort him, and love on him, and be nice to him, but to really help to get him free from the past, free from the brokenness of the natural man. Verse 6, the hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Now, we're going to, for time's sake, we're going to skip down here. Oh, let's go down to verse 20. And 21. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Now, I want us to notice a few things here. Number one, the vessels are for honor or dishonor. He's not calling the vessels honorable or dishonorable vessels, he's saying their purpose is for honor or dishonor. This is true. In every great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and dishonor. It's true in my house. It's true in your house. In my home, uh, because I'm married, we have some, they call it fine china. We have some beautiful dishes that come out, oh, every couple times a year, Christmas time, Thanksgiving time, special times. And then they go back in a box. They get cleaned, dried, and papered up and put back in the box. And these are the type of dishes that are passed on generation to generation. We have a whole box of them. The rest of the year we use regular plates or sometimes paper plates in my house. But the nice china, the nice stuff, I mean, we have silverware that comes out with it. and It's only two knives and four forks and all the fancy stuff. Just for fancy meals or important times Then they go back in there. So in every home you have dishes, vessels that are for honorable occasions and honorable jobs. And you also have vessels that are for dishonorable, such as like the trash can. The trash can would be a vessel for dishonor. That's where we put the trash. The toilet would be another one where it's got a dishonorable job. It's still important. It's a vessel and it's used every day, but it's for dishonorable work. So every great house, there's vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some for honor, some for dishonor. You know, Paul here is not talking about uh, your home. He's talking about the church. That even the church, there's gold and silver, and there's vessels of wood and clay. And the other thing to see here is that God did not choose to make anyone a vessel of dishonor or a vessel for dishonor, or a vessel of, uh, for honor, that we chose that. And I'm going to jump over here. I'm going to read another, my, another one of our core verses here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. You don't have to turn here. But we have, this is 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessel, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. See, he's talking about a vessel within a vessel. And my argument to you today is this, that the vessel that holds the treasure is your inner man. It would be the gold and silver. And the earthen vessel on the outside of you, that's this body, would be the, the clay and the wood material. That is what it means by verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels the excellence may be and the power may be of God and not of us. That God's goal for us is not to just go and take my life and focus it on serving Him, but to cultivate and grow this vessel of gold. The gold would be from Him, the treasure that comes from Him, the love of God it can only be found in God. It can't be found in this world. It has to come from God. The truth of God is only in the mind of God. You can't find it in anywhere in this world, it must originate from God. There's a love that originates from God. It's called agape love. And how can I give you God's love if I don't have it and haven't cultivated it where I can partake of it myself? And that's the gold and the silver that he's talking about here, I believe, in Second Timothy. I'm back over to Second Timothy, chapter two. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of silver or gold and silver, but also of wood and clay some for honor and some for dishonor. This is what i believe in that he's telling Timothy in every church. There's people who have come to a place where they are gold. They are silver to God. They're vessels of gold and silver. In other words, they're living out of their inner man. They've cultivated the love of God. They've cultivated the peace of God. And they are vessels of gold and silver. There's other people who never prayed in the Holy Ghost. have never spent time loving, worshiping God. Have only been busy for God. And they are left vessels of wood and clay. Those are earthen. God didn't choose to make you gold or, or clay. He found you. You were only in darkness. And when you're born again, you receive the nature of Christ in you. And that nature created, brought to life your inner man, your inner body, as gold. Well, as a treasure chest that can hold gold. It's now light. It can understand God. It can hold the love of God. The outward man is still left in wood and clay. Now, this is where I struggled, because most of my Christianity in the beginning was simply taught to clean up yourself, wash yourself, change your habits, Quit smoking and drinking, which I never did, thank God. But don't smoke or, well, I did have a few cigarettes when I was a kid. Don't smoke or drink. Don't run around and do stuff you're not supposed to. Take your money and and quit spending it on yourself. Spend some of it to God. Take your time and quit spending it all on yourself. Spend some on God. Take your love and quit focusing on yourself and give some to the kingdom of God. The main message is to refocus your life to serving God to clean up your life, get rid of the bad habits, get rid of the bad jokes, lower down the bad emotions and and highlight the, the happy emotions. But here it's clear that there's two vessels that you have. You're either going to be a vessel of gold and silver, which makes you useful for honorable jobs. Or you'll be a vessel of wood and clay, which makes you useful for dishonorable jobs the type of material that the vessel is determines the type of job that it does the two contrasting materials are gold and silver versus wood and clay and my argument with to you today is that the the wood and clay represents the outward man the gold and silver represents Christ's attributes grown inside of your inner man. Your inner man can now actually hold Think about the miracle now. I don't care your past, I don't care your upbringing, I don't care your culture. You as a born again believer now have a vessel inside of you called the inner man, the new man that can actually can hold the very love of God. It can actually hold the very peace of God. And see, if the love of God is in us, we don't leave people broken and walk by them. We're the Good Samaritan. We stop by and help the broken people. We don't just leave them in their condition and say, God bless you. But that's what much of the church does today because they don't have the power because they're living out of their outward man, serving God, doing their best, and God's pleased with any little bit. But we end up being cheerleaders for people to not give up, but we don't give them what they need to really change, to stop living in that brokenness. God doesn't want to leave anyone broken. But his hands are tied because he's looking for a church, vessels of gold and silver. So the type of material determines if you're useful for honor or dishonor. Look here in verse, we'll read verse 20 and 21, 2 Timothy. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that word cleanses means purge out, purify Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself of the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So this is why I know that God did not choose for someone to be a vessel of honor and choose for someone to be a vessel of dishonor. Because if he chose for you to be a vessel of dishonor, he wouldn't be telling you that you can go from being a vessel of honor and you can clean yourself and purify yourself, that you are now a vessel of honor. Think about the depth of this discussion. If anyone, I'm going to use the word purges because cleanses, cleansing is not right, the right word. If anyone purges himself from the ladder, from the wood and the clay, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master. So he's saying if anyone goes from being a, a clay and wood to being a made of gold and silver. See, he's not talking about cleaning up and washing ourselves clean. Because that would mean if you came to our house one Christmas dinner or a fancy day that my wife decided, and we got the house all cleaned up and the nice cloth and put the dogs away and threatened the kids you know, with their life if they didn't behave and put the nice tablecloth off and got the nice dishes out. And, and we all sat down, we all dressed up, and we're all think, acting fancy and chic. And we don't know which fork is for which. When I go to the fancy restaurants sometimes, I always wait for someone else to start eating so I know which fork to use. But if you came to my house and we had all the forks out, we'd all be looking, waiting for each other, because none of us would know which fork we're supposed to use first. One's a salad, one's a shrimp cocktail. I don't know, there's so many different ones. And so you came over to our house and we had all the food ready and it smelled good. It's all fresh and all the dishes are out, the plates are out, all the mini forks and spoons and and do we put the glass on the right side or the left side? Which is my which place for my bun and which place for your bread? You know, all those questions we will just be confused together. And then my wife says, you know, I'm really sorry, but Alan broke the gravy dish when he was getting the fancy plates out. So we don't have a gravy dish. But it's okay. It's okay. Because I cleaned up the trash can really, 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 really good. I washed it. Bleach, and cleaned it up so the gravy is in the trash can. So it's a vessel, it works, it technically could work. We would never do that, but technically we could. It's a vessel. See, he's not talking here about washing yourself clean. You may be asking yourself right now, why can't God use me? Why am I stuck in the same rut? Why am I still going through the same struggles that I did 20 years ago? It's probably because you're still dealing with the clay and the wood vessel called your natural man. And that is where you're living and making decisions out of. But my promise to you is if you'll spend time praying in the Holy Ghost, spend time worshiping God, spend time in His Word, and start to choose to transform, that slowly but surely you will find yourself living out of the inner man, out of the gold and the silver, instead of, out of the wood and the clay. See, God wants to promote Himself in us, but where do I find Him to put in me? Well, you started with a new nature, and that new nature brought to life your inner man, the inner vessel, and now you can fill it up with the things of God and begin to live out of that. That's the power of transformation. You can walk like Jesus instead of walking like your family. If anyone cleans himself on the ladder, he will be a vessel of honor. A vessel for honor, sorry. Sanctified and useful for the master. Prepared for every good work. I could say, or Christy could say, I'm really sorry. Alan smashed the the soup bowl, dropped it again, broke it. But it's okay, because I cleaned the toilet bowl really, really well. And hey, you know, it kind of works good. It's already got water in it, so I just... Put the soup ingredients in it, and we meet. That's where the soup is. So here's your spoon. Let's go eat. I mean, that's the idea. I know that's extreme, but that's a vessel of dishonor trying to be used for honorable, a vessel for dishonor trying to be useful for honor. And this is where I see so much of the modern church. We have passion. We have heart to see the kingdom. We have desires to see lives changed for God. We have desires to win the world we're passionate, we're hungry, we don't want the world to stay the same. But because we don't have enough of Jesus in our life, we're still living out of the wood and the clay, then we're, we're cleaning ourselves up for the wrong job. Because the way to become useful for honorable work is to actually change the material. He's not telling us here to clean up your life. That's an important first start to serving God. That I choose not to accept my flesh as who I am anymore. That's the first start, but that's not the finish. The finishing work is taking the love of God and cultivating it until it grows and becomes so strong in me that I'm able to put on that new man over my old man. And then when I give you love, it's not the love of Alan, it's the love of Christ. And the love of Christ would not leave a broken boy or a broken girl stuck in that same condition and pat them on the head and say, go do good. The love of God would say, I'm going to set you free. I want to take that damage that was done to you as a child, and I'm going to pull it out of you. I'm going to set you free from it. I'm going to break it out of you where you no longer be part of you anymore. That is the love of God. I know that when we're seeking revival, we're seeking signs and wonders and miracles, deaf ears, blind eyes. But I'm going to tell you, there's a part of the revival that holds miracles, the power to change people's life. They don't have to go spend 20 years praying and fasting to... Get, root that out of them like you did. God will be able to use your position that you've grown in Him. He's able to use the love of Christ that's grown inside of you as the authority for Him to go and set them free. I spent too many years trying to clean up my wood and my clay vessel instead of transforming out of it into a vessel of gold and silver. Can I encourage you today? Spend some time praying in the Holy Ghost. That's where the truth of God comes over from His mind to your spiritual mind. Spend some time in private worship where you just worship God. That's where the love of God, the very love of God comes and is deposited into your inner man. And it it begins to grow forward. Spend some time in the Word of God, reading the truth and learning who you are. Spend some time with God and watch what happens. You may not feel it today, but there will be a day that you realize, I'm not the same person. I'm operating out of a different place. I'm loving not from who I used to be. I'm loving from Jesus. Peace of God, the love of God. That's what needs to be cultivated inside of us. It's not just for the preachers. It's not just for the pastors is for everyone. It doesn't matter where you started. The power of this is you can go as far into God as you want. But it's going to cost you. You're going to have to be a hard working farmer, not a lazy farmer. A hard I love that he has to say a hard working farmer. Not he has to add that, not just a farmer, a hard working farmer. He adds that we have to compete like we're in a race and we can't cheat. There's no shortcuts and act as soldiers, and endure. See, if you'll endure, there'll be a day you can turn around to your family, and you can help them with the love of Jesus. And they won't have to go through all the years that you did. And God will get all the credit. They won't even give you credit. Family never gives you credit. They'll give God the credit, and that's okay. God will be your rewarder. He'll give you a thank you and a reward when you get to heaven. Because he knows how much it costs you to keep pressing in to the things of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to first pray for us as we are endeavoring to, to go from being vessels of clay and wood to vessels of gold and silver. That God God's grace is on us for encouragement, for strength, to continue praying and seeking him. But also at the end, I'm going to pray for you. If you're broken, if you have a broken part of you, I want you to know, that you are not broken. Your natural soul, the natural part of your soul, your natural emotions, your natural man is what's broken. But that's going to fall off of you one day. It's no longer you. That's your struggle, but that's not you. But I want to pray for you too, that, that God will prayfully be able to help remove some of that from you, that wrong, the reasons for the wrong desires. So let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for each believer that wants more of you, that each of us who want to have the truth, that want to walk in the fullness of Christ. I pray for me and my friend that you supply your grace abundantly, your strength abundantly into our lives, that we are strong enough and disciplined enough to pray, to spend time in praying in the Holy Ghost. We are disciplined enough to, to spend time to worship You and exalt Your name, and to meditate the Word of God, to confess the Word of God. Father, it's Your strength that we rely on. It's Your grace. And thank You, Father, for believing in us. Thank You, Lord, for believing in us. Lord, release Your grace and Your strength now. Yes, we can do this. We can spend the time, we can change our life to do this. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for my friend, that's maybe struggling with desires that are outside of the will of God, and, and, and they know it's outside of the will of God, they're frustrated, they've tried to get out of, get rid of it over and over, they hate it in them, The Lord, right now, that you touch them with your love. And that by that love of God, by the love of Jesus, that you begin to squeeze that brokenness, that, that moment that happened in the past, you begin to squeeze it and not heal it, but Father, you begin to kill it. That is no longer can push them anymore. It no longer can dictate to them what they need to be happy. Father, I break that off of them in Jesus' name. Release your love. Jesus' name. Father, and I thank you because of that, we can say, go and sin no more. Because we've been freed by the love of Jesus. Father, we give you glory and honor all your goodness to us we love you we love you we love you in jesus name amen well i hope i've encouraged you today to keep pressing in i hope i've encouraged you to not give up be a good soldier endure hardship whatever it takes let's become the vessels of gold and silver that are useful for honorable work in the kingdom of god let's not remain as vessels of wood and clay. Great things are ahead of you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.